The Lifestyle Show on RTE Radio 1 Extra. Welcome to The Lifestyle Show with me, Tara Lockery Grant, here on RTE Radio 1 Extra. So you can find out more about the show on rte.ie forward slash lifestyle and also in the lifestyle section of the RTE News Now app. If I sound like I'm out of the studio, somewhere new, I am. I'm in the fourth floor in the 35th suite of the Black Rock Clinic, which are the rooms of Miss Shoon Murphy. And also sitting here beside her is Dr. Katrina Ryan. Girls, it's absolutely amazing. And I'm so excited to be here with you both. Thanks for being here, Tara. Thank you. So, yes, I'm, I sound giggly, but this actually some of the things that we want to talk about today is it's, it's actually nervous excitement because plastic surgery, uh, Shun, we're going to be talking about and Katrina, we're going to be talking about dermatology, the myths, the realities, what's actually happening in Ireland. All, a lot of these areas we don't talk about. So these are the type of things that people want to know. How do we find out more information? What's happening? Who's doing it? When? What types? Um, and also how to do things safely. That's really, really key. There's a lot of bad press out there as well at the moment. So we want to find out. I just wanted to know what's happening and how people can get more information in a safe way. So, Shane, if we can start with you and just tell us, first of all, what are the kind of procedures that people are getting at the moment? Or even is plastic surgery popular in Ireland? And Katrina, I'll ask you now afterwards about dermatology. What's popular? Who's doing what? Plastic surgery certainly is popular at the moment, although interestingly, the UK data shows that plastic surgery or cosmetic surgery, when I talk about a branch of plastic surgery, as in aesthetic procedures, is actually decreased in the last little while. Now, whether that's an indication of global fragility with Brexit, um, terrorism, things like that, that are influencing people not wanting to spend a huge amount, cosmetic surgery procedures has actually decreased in the UK. But interestingly, all of the non-surgical or lesser procedures have actually increased in their popularity. Wow, that's really interesting. I, who would have thought politics would have a play in that? Have you seen the same trends? Um, well, Tara, in dermatology, I'd say the vast majority of what we do is medical dermatology. But if we're talking about cosmetics alone, absolutely. Um, I left Ireland eight years ago, um, where when Botox and fillers were almost bad words. And I think it's a different Ireland I've come back to. So absolutely, I think there's been a huge rise in non-invasive cosmetic procedures, particularly um, Botox and, and getting fillers. Also, the talk around it. Do you find that people, like you said, Katrina, you're in America working and you're back now. Do you think in general we are much more, I mean, in different cultures, for example, they're much more accepting. Brazil, uh, and often 18th birthday presents is surgery and it's very much accepted. If you want to improve yourself, you can. Is, uh, for both of you, what's your view on that? I don't think we're quite there yet. Um, we're certainly not up there with the 18th birthday presence. Um, there certainly is a role for cosmetic surgery um, in somebody who would be less than 18, but overall it really wouldn't be an indication to, to operate on someone for an aesthetic procedure. Things like congenital breast asymmetry, stuff that people are born with or without that, that can be helped or enhanced by plastic surgery. Yes, we would see teens at that point, but not of their own free will who just want an alteration of their appearance for aesthetic reasons. Which again comes back to the safety thing again when we're talking about um, I, I would agree completely with um, Shun. In Ireland, we, we're conservative, um, and that's a good thing. It's certainly a good thing. But I do think there's been, um, I think we've become a lot more open um, to um, particularly non-cosmetic um, procedures, and people talk about it. Um, I, I suppose it's generational. Um, maybe people um, over the age of 50 don't talk so much, but I think people in their, in their 30s and 40s talk about who they go to and what they're getting done, um, and it's becoming more and more accepted. Which is a good thing if people are talking to each other about what they're having done because they then stay within the correct, correctly trained and qualified individuals from the get-go. 
Which is absolutely key. And there's the, the phone going in the back because this is busy. We are absolutely sneaking time away from you guys, pulling you away from, from your, your daily jobs. But when you, what are the type of things, June, that people are getting done? Um, I guess the, the top five um, procedures at the moment are liposuction, breast augmentation. I'm a mum of four kids. I, I think I probably attract fellow mums to my practice. So I would do a fair amount of mummy makeovers, which is a combined breast and tummy procedure. So generally a breast lift or a breast reduction combined with an abdominoplasty would be fairly much my mainstay, which is fairly big surgery. And all the more reason it would come back again to in a moment, I think, to the, the accreditation and qualification that you really need to be very careful of as a patient. And going back again to the concept of a safety diamond, You've got to be the right patient. You've got to be with the right person doing your procedure and in the right facility. Um, frighteningly, there's a, I suppose, with that increase that you were saying, Katrina, about the increase in, in numbers of procedures that are done and, and more of an awareness and an acceptability, there are a lot more people doing all of these procedures. It's interestingly not a regulated industry. Isn't that, the? can we talk about that for a second? That is the part that freaks me out, I think, right. and most people. It's been in the papers, you know, there was an article recently in the Sunday Business Post. A quick Google will show you the answers to that. What is happening in this area? Why is it not regulated, Katrina? Well, um, you know, personally, I've been shocked since coming co- coming back to Ireland um, about the, the lack of regulation within the cos- cosmetic industry in general, particularly when it comes to, to plastic surgery um, and then um, the, the non-invasive um, procedures as well. So I think as a as a country, we're, we're very trusting when it comes to what our doctors say. Um, and unfortunately, um, there are non-specialist doctors who are misleading the public in some ways in, in that they are you know, specialist trained to do certain procedures um, and, and are really misleading the public. And unfortunately, um, I don't think the Irish Medical Council have really been um, aggressive in trying to challenge these doctors who are really, ma- you know, impacting on the safety of our patients um, in, in a lot of cases. OK, so Katrina, in your area, before we get to shoot again on this, in your area, what are the top procedures that people are looking for? And then we'll get to what should people have? How should they be qualified? What skills should they have in order for people to go to them? OK, so if we're, if we're talking about just the cosmetic side of things, which, which again, as I said, is a small um, section, but an important section of what we do. I think the, the most common procedures are um, Botox, um, your neuromodulators, um, getting fillers, lasers, which, which is a very important area and, and, and um, you know, considerable expertise is needed as well. Um, I think they will be the main ones. Um, and in the medical side of things? Medical side of things is um, hugely important because I think more and more we're seeing people um, calling themselves dermatologists um, when they are not specialist trained. You know, they may have done a diploma or a master's um, but have had no patient contact um, dur- during those um, those um, those courses um, and when it comes to looking you know doing mole checks um, you know and, and trying to detect melanomas if somebody isn't qualified it, it you know melanoma can be a fatal disease so missing things like that very very important and and unfortunately again I think the public really do believe some of the the, the doctors are going to are specialist trained um, dermatologists that is it's, it's really scary what's the percentage do we know the percentage of skin cancer in Ireland um, so you know, it's it's certainly growing. Um, in the past year, there's been over a, a thousand melanomas um, detected in Ireland, um, and it's 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 growing. Like I, I think the projection is up to fourfold over the next um, one to two decades. I mean, then how imperative is it that the people who are checking us are 
qualified. And us as punters, how are we supposed to know who has the correct qualifications? What What would your advice be for someone? Let's say they find a mole, they want to get checked out. What would your advice be? Well, I think that the, the first thing they do is go to their GP. And, and GPs are, um, are uh, very responsible when it comes to um, re- referring to the appropriate individual I- individuals um, but making sure that the dermatologist is on the specialist register and unfortunately it, it can be difficult enough to, to navigate the medical council we- website so ensuring that they they are specialist trained and they got on the specialist register for dermatology not not for anything else I think sometimes people will look up and it will say specialist register for GP yeah. but because it says specialist register they they, they can um, and, and I think that that is the case also and um, when it comes to plastic surgery yeah, yeah absolutely and um, there's no actually there's no recognized term of cosmetic surgeon or aesthetic surgeon or cosmetic doctor they're not recognized terms and yet they're used widely in the public realm when people are looking for procedures and they'll google their breast augmentation procedure find a, you know their local clinic and unfortunately the ones that pop up first are the ones who are cosmetic surgeons cosmetic doctors who are actually allowed to to practice in these areas of plastic surgery even though they're not qualified plastic surgeons so it's a minefield for patients it's really difficult for them to to follow the correct path and stay safe yeah you know we'll we'll talk about the celebrity culture in a second because often when things aren't being talked about in a big way we look to people who are talking about them and often in this world in this area it is celebrities but some of those procedures, as you said, Jean, are really serious, okay? So w- what is your advice then? Is it the same as what Katrina is saying for people to find the right people? Well, it's, it's, I suppose, you know, similar to Katrina, the medical dermatology is the mainstay and similar to plastic surgery. Plastic surgery encompasses hand trauma, facial trauma, burns, cleft, congenital deformities, breast reconstruction, trauma reconstruction, and cosmetic surgery is a small part of that. Um, plastic surgeons have cosmetic surgery as part of our training syllabus. So we're the only specialty that actually have a as part of our lengthy training often in, in excess of 15 to 20 years of wow. training mm-hmm. um, the, the mainstay for, for our patients finding a cosmetic or a cosmetic procedure online would be to look at plasticsurgery.ie which okay, is where we great. are all listed. What questions should people go in with, let's say, for both, you know, when we're talking plastic surgery and is, is probably more s- straightforward because people have been given advice by their doctors for cosmetic surgery and likewise then for dermatology for optional treatments? Unfortunately, I think the, the first thing that people think of saying is how many breast augmentations have you done? And that's not necessarily the correct answer. What they really want to be knowing is what your background and your qualification is, not to harp on about the same issue, but it is crucial. Um, the second thing is where you will be having your procedure done. Unfortunately, a lot of these clinics are not actually accredited. They might say they're accredited, but they're not accredited by the one accreditation board that governs all of Ireland's clinics. So they may they may use a lot of terminology that's very confusing to the public, both in the in the operator and in the clinic that they're going to have their procedure done in. I like the diamond idea that you give. Is that an official term? So you've got yes, that's it's the safety diamond. I love yeah. it. It's such a simple, good one for us to remember. If you just remember it as patient, doctor, hospital. Yeah patient must be a good candidate. It was ISAPS that came up with it. Brilliant. Um, who devised the Safety Diamond, who are the International Society of Aesthetic Plastic Surgeons. Surgeon must be properly trained. The patient must be a good candidate, which is also crucial. I was going to ask you that. I don't know if you saw, there was a recent documentary, there was a patient who clearly had body dysmorphia yes. on it and ended up being operated on. But that is crucial to weed out patients who are not suitable for, for cosmetic procedures. Uh, and also to be assessed about their psychological right. well-being. Taking a full history and a full medical correctly taken medical history of the patient and that the procedure is then done in an accredited accredited facility that can have an emergency facility attached to it should things go a little bit awry and they do. 
That's the key. I think anything as well, this idea that you can get it done in somebody's local surgery, whatever it is that you're getting done. Um, they say local surgery and you can be gone within a couple of hours. There's something a little bit freaky about that, isn't there? And it's it's perfectly appropriate to be in and out in a couple of hours. Not a problem. But provided you're having it in a facility that should things go wrong, you know, you can get toxicity from simple things like local anaesthetic. And if you're not in a trained facility where people can deal with the complications of that, you could run into trouble fairly quickly. Yeah. So to have the backup is essential. And the same, Katrina. Yeah, I, I think it's the same. If, if Again, if we're t- talking just about cosmetic procedures, one of the things that I found, um, you know, scary when I came back was that, you know, there are, there are nurses and, and other individuals um, injecting um, fillers, which, you know, which is a highly, you know, should be a highly trained procedure. Now, they're allowed to inject the filler in Ireland because it's considered a medical device. And this is all to do with regulation and, and the loopholes. But if if an accident happens, so hyaluronic acid can be injected into an artery, which can potentially, you know, lead to death of tissue, you know, across half of somebody's face, or it could be injected into the retinal artery and cause blindness. And only if you have hyaluronidase, which is the anti- antidote to inject to dissolve it instantly, can can you you know you know negate that 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 problem. But the nurses aren't allowed to inject it, so because it's considered a medicine. So there, there are all these, you know. How are they allowed to inject the fillers then? Considered a device, not a medicine. So it's not regulated in the same way as, as say, even Botox would. Which, you know, realistically, with Botox, somebody could look silly for three months. But you know, in, in, in my in my opinion, it's it's a um, it's. A, a less dangerous procedure. So it's funny the different, um, the emphasis that are put on different things. Well, and the public just do not know this. We, d- we don't know. And you said earlier, um, Botox and fillers are like dirty words. Well, not fillers. What was the other thing you said was dirty? Oh, well, yeah. No, Botox and fillers were, you know, and now everybody gets them yeah. done. But everybody gets them done by, you know, all sorts of people. Yeah, not, you know, specialist trained plastic surgeons and dermatologists. So, you know, I think um, we, are, we are way behind the US when it comes to, to, to regulations and things like this and what the public actually demand. Mm-hmm. Um, and the public are, are thought to make sure that their their plastic surgeon or their dermatologist is board certified. Mm-hmm. We just don't, we just do don't have that terminology mm-hmm. here. You see, the thing is, this is why this is important, because by not talking, this is what has us and um, people going to maybe the wrong people, yeah. you know, or people who aren't fully qualified. That's why we need to talk. And then by talking, the public will then insist. Is this the best way then that, that people will start insisting on better regulation or how can it change? Well, that's the key point. How can it change? And and really, probably what it'll ha- have to happen, it'll have to happen at a governmental level. They're bringing in a lot of changes into the UK. The General Medical Council are, are very much on board with trying to regulate the cosmetic industry in the UK. Um, they also bring, coming back to Katrina's, what she was talking about, the, the prescription issue with, tox- with neuromodulators or Botox um, and fillers. And all of them should be a prescription-only medicine. Are they not? No. That's what the point about the fillers is, is that they're considered a device, not a medicine, so that you don't have to be a medical, a medically trained person to inject them. And Tara, I think that the, you know, the, the scary thing is that um, for, for things to change, um, I think especially in, in the plastic surgery realm, what it will probably take in Ireland, and this is a very sad thing to say, is, is more fatalities, it's more, more bad things. Uh, until the Irish Medical Council have to bring this issue to a head. And, and that, that will be a very sad thing. So I, I hope um, the government can intervene in, in the meantime, because, you know, our, our, our patients are vulnerable um, and they truly believe doctors when, when, they, when they say that they're specialist trained. And people assume when they're online that they're looking up something and they see, unfortunately, there's a lot of the Groupon deals that come in with medicines, 
toxins, fillers, again, because it's a medical device that can, it can be advertised and put, deals can be put online about it. But you'll generally find that a, a consultant dermatologist or consultant plastic surgeon are not involved in the group on deals for toxin and fillers. Do you know what? It's only when you're saying it so plain as day, you're thinking it was listening, going, of course they're not. Mm. But when people see that, mm. the word medical and then yeah. the facility seems, the name seems something that people are used to. But yeah. That is a really I think, uh, simple fact. I think the term non-surgical can be very misleading as well. I think people assume that non-surgical is a term that just means it's not surgery, but non-surgical should not mean non-medical. Yeah, very good, very good. It's terrifying to think that it might take something dramatic to happen for them to sit up and take note of this. In your different areas then, um, there's a lot of talk as well, as, you know, as, as we said, celebrities, the procedures that they get done and then all of a sudden, you, you know, you, there's a story every day about somebody having something done. It was the Kardashian bum at one stage, now boobs are back in. I mean, what, how does that affect your industry, you guys being professionals in this area? How does it affect your day to day? Do people come in with pictures and say, I want this? How, how does I'll start with you, Katrina. Um, I think that's interesting. I think actually Ireland as a country, we don't follow those trends quite so much. Yeah. Certainly see it in the US. The one thing I have noticed is um, younger um, girl, well, women um, in, their, in their earlier 20s now wanting lip fillers. Mm. And the thing is, these girls can't afford to go, you know, or, or maybe we'll, we'll take these deals that, that Shun is, t- is, is, is talking of. Share, and we'll, share a lip filler. Yeah, oh, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So they, they'll go to, to clinics and, and it's not necessarily a doctor injecting. Yeah. Um, so that's the one trend I'm seeing more than anything else actually recently. But I can't even get the words out. Is that not something that you're going to notice straight away if someone goes from small lip? It shouldn't be. I mean, lip enhancement should be done. And when it's done correctly and when you know the anatomy behind the lips, it is very, very subtle. And it can just help with little fine lines around the lips and just help to contour and balance the face out a little bit. Unfortunately, it is well overdone. And again, it's all about knowing the anatomy and having the experience behind you to know what you're actually trying to do with the anatomy. You see, that's the thing. And if people knew that, you know, this is the type of thing that people need is just the help with finding out the information you know and there's a lot of training but behind that is you know the, the correct aesthetics the correct ratios um the perfect lip is actually quite complex yeah and, and it's it's very important um that, that people get it done the right way especially people who are looking to be subtle yeah. um i think some of these girls who are looking for the non-subtle look. Yeah. Okay. So, so you know, okay. and, that, and that's a different thing. Yeah. I mean, then the pressure, of course, on them from, as they feel in, from society as well, is yeah. terrible. And that's a whole other area to be addressed in another conversation. But let's say with the lips, just concentrate, because there's always the one that seems to make um, when celebrities, when it goes wrong. Um, that, that Does it last forever? And what is it that they, they, they are doing? Is it, in, is it fillers going into the lip, around the lip? And does it last forever? This famous term of trout pout. Mm. Um, no, no, it doesn't last forever, especially the, now in times gone by when collagen was injected or silicone, things were very different. Um, but now we have um, fillers, typically it's hyaluronic acid that's used in the lip. Typically last, typically, <laughs> not always, depends on, yeah, and you never know what you're getting in some of these places. But um, between six months and a year, the, the great thing now with the, with the use of hyaluronic acid fillers um, is that, as I said before, you can completely reverse it and um, so if you if you get a bad result or, or actually you know have a, a good job done but you just don't don't like it and um, you can have it completely dissolved away now I had a patient into me recently who had been elsewhere for treatment and had um, multiple she went in with a couple of lines and had some filler injected um, all across her forehead through her cheeks and through her lips but it was permanent filler 
So she came into me with firm lumps all over her face that I then had to surgically excise and remove. Mm-hmm. So she now has scars in place of her filler. Oh, so God, help her. Is that done in Ireland? No. Okay. What, 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 <laughs> why would anybody want to use permanent filler? An untrained professional who didn't know what she was using. And unfortunately now I think there's a lot of these products, the hyaluronic acids, the injectables that are available from all sorts of places in the world that are made cheaply, bought cheaply, injected cheaply, and they're not safe. I had another patient into me recently who'd had a breast augmentation and uh, her breast augmentation after three days started to look very red and hot and her wound was oozing. And she phoned the clinic in Ireland where she'd had her breast augmentation done and she was told if she could see the implant to remove it. Oh, stop. Oh. Herself? Yeah. Oh, stop. Because the surgeon wasn't available for another couple of days and the clinic wasn't open. Another thing I think, Tara, also is that, as, that when patients go to a clinic like that, they're often embarrassed afterwards, so they don't complain. Yes. And then this is, this is another yeah. problem. You know, the, the Irish Medical Council is obliged to follow up on any complaint made by the public, you know, especially when it comes to negligent care. But patients often don't complain because they're embarrassed that they did that. This is a really valid point, Katrina. I think that's a huge issue with with cosmetics when it does go awry. People don't want to come back to anybody else because they're mortified. So they'll go back to the same clinic. So we're we're not actually getting the data. We don't have data overall on cosmetic procedures in Ireland because there are so many clinics unregulated running things. And we don't have data on the complications either. No, I think that's a really valid point. And the clinics aren't obliged to report on their complications either so um, you know nobody is held accountable um, for, for, for these problems Are you seeing a lot of men coming to your practice? Um, I think we're nowhere near the States when it comes to cosmetic procedures but I am seeing more and more men coming to, to my clinic in Dublin um, often for very subtle things you know for a little bit of Botox to make them look um, Men? Yes, yes, oh, yeah. yes yeah, yeah. more I mean, relaxed same. I think men are embracing this a little bit more and I think men need to keep the competitive edge you know being um, especially when they're in marketing and business, yeah. if they're in if they're in the public eye, so going for, for those men, it's very important to if they're looking for the very subtle, discreet look, it's very important to go to a you know a, a trained um, specialist, and also then for fillers, you know, for subtle fillers too. Um, one I particularly like for men is is uh, a product called Sculptra, mm. um, and as it gives men a very very natural look. So I think it is on on the up um, up uh, uprise. When it comes to medical dermatology, I think men are being much more responsible about their health when it comes to moles. So I'm having more and more men coming to me for, for mole checks, mm-hmm. making sure that their moles are all okay. Now, some of them are sent by their wives. But um, I, think, I think men are becoming much more um, responsible about their, about their health. I think it's just come to the stage where we're living longer, healthier lives. We're longer in the workplace. And, and a lot of us are in, you know jobs that were competing with younger people essentially and so you have to maintain a certain amount of keeping up with how your body and how youthful your body is feeling Mm -hmm. you've got to maintain a youthful appearance too and that's fine yeah I think that's very very honest and again it's healthy when it's all done in the best possible taste if it does go wrong what recourse do people have now they can only go back to their um, clinic or as you said Katrina to get in touch with the Irish Medical Council but but it's the coming forward how public do they have to be when they want to complain well I think the first thing um, things can go wrong even with the best of surgeons mm. so the first thing they need to go is go straight back to their surgeon um, you know with or, or, or sorry their dermatologist or wh- whoever did the procedure um, because because usually you know if, if it is especially if it's a special trained individual they'll be able to um help resolve the issue um, if it if it is if something has happened that shouldn't have happened especially in the the, the setting of someone who shouldn't have been doing it in the first place I think I think that the, there is 
there's a responsibility with that patient to, to make a complaint for the sake of other people so you know it doesn't impact on the safety of other patients because often I think patients don't realize that who they went to wasn't a specialist until after the fact when things go wrong and they do a little bit more investigative work and they find out um I've, I've had several patients come to me with with sort of botch fillers jobs um that i've had to, to to dissolve or whatnot um so i think it happens but again i think maybe the, the vast majority of those patients didn't go back to the person who did it because they were embarrassed yeah, yeah. And look at the PIP issue that we had a couple of years ago with breast implantation and people went back to the clinic when they subsequently arose that they were a problem and the clinic was no longer there and they, there was, so there was no recourse and people couldn't even get the information about their breast implants. So bad stuff happens. Unfortunately, money talks in, in mm-hmm. this industry as well, if you want to call it an industry, which is awful when you combine it with medical practitioners, but money money talks. And there, as Katrina said, there will be somebody out there who will do this. And that's the danger point. I had a young mum come into me recently looking for a facelift. Um, she needed sleep. Oh, God. You know, she had a young baby. And she just, it was in the, the throngs of sleep deprivation and feeling awful about herself. She did not need a facelift. She just needed to muddle through her babyhood time with, the, with her newborn. God, it's just as well that she'd come to you for that. But hopefully she won't go somewhere else when somebody will operate on her. You know, I would hopefully she'd take the advice. Mama four, working mama four. Um, she, for both of you, sort of a quick fire round before we go. And you, as you said there about the financial side of things, insurance wise, where do we stand in Ireland versus perhaps the States? Where, or where are we uh, at and are things going to change? So medical conditions can sometimes be covered. Certainly, you mean insurance yes, cover exactly. for, for aesthetic procedures. Sometimes a breast reduction can be covered, but they have to meet very specific criteria. And it's become more and more of an issue to meet those criteria now. Um, um, it's very unusual to have insurance cover for aesthetic or cosmetic. I use the term aesthetic and cosmetic as interchangeable terms. Mm-hmm. And they're both within the remit of plastic surgeons. Um, but it's very unusual to have insurance cover for a procedure yeah. that is not functional. I would agree, and, and, and that's for obvious reasons. You know, our insurance companies don't don't cover our haircuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good analogy. <laughs> Good analogy. That would be nice. <laughs> but um, so they will cover. Let's say if if it is a mole re- removal, do they oh, cover absolutely. the haircut? Yeah. So you know, I I, I I split medical dermatology and cosmetic dermatology. Yeah. Um, absolutely, when a mole needs to be removed, mm. um, you know, most insurance companies will cover that completely. Okay. As they as they should. If a mole needs to go, it needs to go. Um, so for anything medical or anything that could be of danger to the patients, procedures are fully covered. Okay. The most common myths or questions that you guys get asked by patients um, I think probably one of the it's probably overlapping with both our, our um, specialties is the is the injectables and mm-hmm. people come in thinking they want Botox they need filler and, and the corollary applies to that as well and you'll say just they come in with one particular problem saying telling you what they need <laughs> and like Katrina was saying you have to assess the aesthetics of the face then and tell them actually that's not what they need at all um, and, and maybe what they need is a skin correction or a hyperpigmentation issue and they don't actually need any injectables whatsoever I think one that I get asked um, a, um, a bit is um, once they start having Botox um, oh, well, yes. it, well, well I, I, it is, I can answer that it is um, but um, just, to, to, just to say that again in case you missed it it's addictive um, no but once they start um, do they have to keep doing it forever does that mean that they, they can stop and will their skin look worse um, once they stop and the answer is no absolutely no you know people can do you know one, once every couple of years if they want to you know it's generally better to, to continue your look so you're not becoming wrinkled and then 
smoother and wrinkled and smoother just you know if you're if you want to keep subtle or discreet but I think that's probably the one I get asked the most. And that's probably the one where the advice shifts depending on where you go I think a lot of places do tell people and I've had patients tell me that they will say oh definitely come in every two or three months and have to have your injectables or your Botox topped up mm-hmm. and it's absolutely not true I say they say often say when will I come back and I say come back when you feel you want to Botox has been around for years and years to treat medical conditions like blepharospasm and yeah and dystonia and whatnot. And so what was in, in babies with babies with severe spastic oh, conditions? Wow. Yeah. So it's it's been around a long time and we have we have you know a huge amount of safety data so it's not something that we have concerns about no. Key things that you would say to somebody if they're listening and they've been thinking of getting something done whatever it is um if it's medical obviously they, they, they're probably I'm sure on the road on the road to that already but if it's cosmetic if it's aesthetic and they're nervous you're both for both from both of you your best advice for medical conditions people tend to see their GP first whereas for cosmetic surgery in particular or injectables or cosmetic dermatology they won't necessarily go through their GP which is where things get a little bit confusing um, certainly in plastic surgery they can go to plasticsurgery.ie which is all of the accredited surgeons and plastic surgeons in Ireland anyone who is qualified to do these procedures is listed on that website um, unfortunately we don't have that yet in dermatology but we're hoping to have that very soon um, on our Irish Association of Dermatology um, website but I think the thing is there's no need to rush into anything do your research and if you know you know, call and check if they're on the specialist register for either plastic surgery or dermatology and I think one, once they're on that there's a huge amount of requirements that are necessary to actually get that title um, and you know that you're in safe hands Brilliant Thank you so much, Miss June Murphy, Dr. Katrina Ryan. Thanks so much for talking to us. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. The Lifestyle Show with Tara Lockery Grant on RTE Radio One Extra.